0: Here are all the Easter eggs in The Last of Us, Episode 1. Welcome back to Nerdist News, I'm Hector Navarro, and today we're talking about the series where Pedro Pascal has to protect a young kid with special abilities. No, not the Mandalorian, (laughs) but the premiere episode of The Last of Us, based on the hit PlayStation game of the same name. But whether he's battling 'er ne'er-do-wells with blasters or humans with fungal infections, between The Last of Us currently airing and the impending return of The Mandalorian in March, we're going to be talking about Papacito Pedro a lot in the upcoming months. I don't know about you, but that seems pretty good to me. (laughs) Love you, Pedro. Naughty Dog and PlayStation Studios' The Last of Us has been considered one of the high watermarks of storytelling in video games, with people praising the games writer Neil Druckmann's masterful world-building, stakes, scares, and fresh new take on the undead genre. Seriously, I have not been this scared of fungus since trying to avoid athlete's foot in my high school shower. I didn't get it. And the series, co-created by Druckmann, along with Chernobyl's Craig Mazin, has its work cut out in its attempt to adapt the story of Joel and Ellie, played by Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, respectively, from your TV screen hooked up to a PlayStation to your TV screen with an HBO account. And it seems viewers were on board for the adaptation as well. The Last of Us had the second biggest HBO premiere in over a decade, only trailing behind last year's House of the Dragon. It's very clear Mason, who serves as the series showrunner, is a giant fan of the source material, and Druckmann still has a big hand in the show, co-writing the first episode with Mason. So, as you can expect, this premiere episode is littered with eggs, and not just the ones Sarah cooks. I thought we was having pancakes. We're talking about Easter eggs, baby, and we're going to break down all of the Easter eggs in The Last of Us that tie it back to The Last of Us. Of course, we're gonna be discussing spoilers for episode one, so if you haven't caught up yet, head into your own little quarantine zone until you get a chance to watch it. We'll be back. While the show has managed so far to remain close to the source material, there have been some changes made. Most notable is the show's timeline. In the game, the Cordyceps pandemic happens in 2013, the year that the first game was released. The show, however, shifts the outbreak 10 years earlier to 2003, meaning not only do the survivors have to deal with a post-apocalyptic world, but they're stuck doing it in early 2000s fashion until the end of time. That means you're going to be running from zombies with frosted tips. What's worse? Nothing. (laughs) The show also gave us an expanded view of September 26th, 2003, from Joel's daughter Sarah's point of view. The game also starts in her POV, and while game players know that Sarah is destined for a bad end, her death was one of the more innovative and shocking ways that game set itself apart from all the others. The show has tried to do the same by really fleshing out Sarah as a character before her tragic death. The series also starts with a creepy cold open, where scientists in 1968 explain how a fungus could end the world. But now that we've covered the major differences, from there we move into an Easter egg in the opening credits. The series has kept the iconic theme song by the game's composer, Gustavo Santaolalla. Adding this touch makes the show feel like it's promising to give us the last of us that we've come to love right off the bat. And into the episode proper, while Sarah's story has been expanded in the series, we're still treated to some Easter eggs that tie it back to the events in the game. Starting with, joel's exercise machinery he's got a stair stepper in his bedroom in the game and some sort of cardio device in his bedroom in the show sure this easter egg is a little bit silly to point out but hey it's our job to notice this stuff sometimes we got to point out the silly little easter eggs so that you trust us but a more concrete easter egg is of course everyone's favorite fictional band hallikin drops Sarah wears their 2012 tour shirt in the game, which has been changed to a 2002 tour shirt to fit into the show's timeline. And in general, the costuming has been very on point so far, and we can't wait to see more of the game's iconic fits. I mean, just look at that poster. Destiny's Child, man. That's legit. And Dido on the radio? Accurate to the era. The watch, this birthday gift from Sarah to Joel, yet still paid for by Joel, is lifted straight from the game as well. And just to show attention to detail, the box is basically the same shade of gray in both versions. Again, a minor thing, but one that feels right. When Sarah goes to the Adlers to bake the worst cookies of all time, she browses through their DVD collection. And not to get nitpicky, but we're just going to assume that the inclusion of a DVD for The Box Trolls, a movie that premiered in 2014 in our universe, is there just to point out the key difference between our universe and theirs. In their universe, Leica's stop-motion film The Box Trolls came out pre-2003. Oh, and I guess the other major difference is the fact that we made it through 2003 without a cordyceps pandemic. But I think The Box Trolls one might be the bigger difference. But the real reason we're bringing up the DVDs is because of the DVD that Sarah ends up borrowing and then later falls asleep while watching. Curtis and Viper 2. This is an Easter egg for The Last of Us Part 2 where Ellie lists it as a film that Joel enjoys. And it appears Joel is a man after my own heart because he's excited that... Oh, this is the one with the deleted scenes. I love a man who loves his DVD extras. Physical media for the win, baby! But this is the scene that keeps on giving because we get an iconic Sarah line. Drugs. I sell hardcore drugs. That's the one. The episode is filled with dialogue lines taken directly from the game. Again, this definitely shows us that this adaptation is in the right hands. And there are plenty of direct visual Easter eggs as well that were lifted from the game's cutscenes. Like when the Millers try to escape in their truck and see Jimmy's place burning. This moment in the game really helps amp up the creepiness of a world being thrown off its axis, and it's just as effective in the show. But a more heartbreaking direct visual reference is, of course, that scene. You know the one. Look, the game deals with a lot of heartbreak, and the show is no different. Which is why the moment fans were dreading came about half an hour into the episode when Sarah dies in her father Joel's arms. This event serves to harden Joel and turn the family man into a more cutthroat person we see later on. And watching it in live action definitely felt like deja vu to the first time we played The Last of Us. And call our staff crazy for this one, but while the soldier who shoots Joel and Sarah is credited to be played by actor Ryan D. Clark, one of our writers swears that the character might be voiced by showrunner Craig Mazin himself, who also served as the director for this episode. Again, we have no proof for this. Only a lot of red yarn cross-referencing and analyzing his voice in his podcast, Script Notes. Craig Mazin, is that you? Please, confirm or deny in the comments below. And whether or not we were right on that front, there definitely is a voice that should sound familiar to those of you who have played the game. Marlene, the head of the Fireflies, was voiced by and motion capture performed by Merle Dandridge in the original game. And in the series is played by, you guessed it, Merle Dandridge. Ooh, Mama want that. Mommy want that. <laughs> we're definitely hoping to see and hear cameos from Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson who played Joel and Ellie in the game. Another aspect from the game that we were glad to see come to play at the end of the episode was, "Wait, Ellie, what do you have there? <laughs> A knife! Ellie's key instrument of destruction made its impression in live action, just like in the game. These Easter eggs prove that the show is off to a great start, and we're excited to see what other ones are in store for us as the episode ends with Joel, Tess, and Ellie venturing off into the scariest place of all, a Boston without a working Dunkin' Donuts. I truly would not wish that on my worst enemy. In the meantime, tell us which Easter egg was your favorite. Were there any that we missed? I'm sure you'll figure that out. Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com.